0: Psychological warfare. Familiar with the term? It's been around since ancient times. It's not bullets. It's not bombs. It's tactics like intimidation, surprise and deception to break your opponent's will and morale. President Trump called it out last night. He believed it's being waged by domestic agencies, government agencies against him, against MAGA. And I believe he's right. Don't forget this persecution is being done
1: by the same weaponized agencies that for seven years have been running illegal psychological warfare campaigns against the American people, much as if they were trying to destabilize a foreign country.
0: Wow. Uh, This got very little attention, but I do believe this is happening. Psychological warfare, we know it, we've called it, it's famous when it's used against America. Who remembers or heard of Tokyo Rose? That woman, an American, oh, by the way, who took to the microphone to say awful things to American troops and uh, to get their hopes down. Oh, Yankee, go home. You're not going to win this war. What's your wife up to? Stuff like that can also be more benign, like handing out literature to Iraqis about, well, how great the occupation is going to be, or dropping leaflets from an airplane over Afghanistan with similar messages. Um, sometimes we over-promised in those messages. Look, psychological operations is something the military is, uh, well, have all kinds of formalized programs. They've been teaching this stuff for years. And yes, it involves deception. PSYOP soldiers strategically influence and deceive. This is a U.S. military website. Psychological operations soldiers help sway opinions and actions of foreign governments, foreign groups and individuals. Also, psychological warfare requires adaptability, resilience, and problem-solving to be successful. It's great when it's used against foreign governments. Is it being used here? Uh, Take a look at this.
2: Trained in persuasive techniques, PSYOP soldiers use their skills to change attitudes, behaviors, values, beliefs.
0: Well, I'm not saying the U.S. Army did it, but uh, the government did it. The government was involved in censoring and playing a psychological warfare game on all of us regarding Hunter Biden's laptop. Some of them actually even signed their name to that dopey letter, which was a deceptive tactic. Absolutely straight out of the psychological operations handbook. That laptop, you couldn't even talk about it on social media. The oldest newspaper in the country, the New York Post, was kicked off of Twitter. They couldn't post anything after October 14th, before Election Day. Now, one of the big giveaways that there was a psychological warfare campaign, in effect, was General Milley. Back to the Army for a moment. Remember this? When he walked across the street with President Trump, and he decided to make a super-duper big deal about it
1: been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics.
0: You should not have been there, he says. With the president of the United States, this is part of a psychological warfare campaign. Just as he apologizes for the appearance of being involved in domestic politics, he then weighs in on every single domestic political hot-button issue of our time. I am outraged
1: by the senseless and brutal killing of George Floyd. What we are seeing is the long shadow of our original sin in Jamestown 401 years ago. We are still struggling with racism, and we have much work to do. Unspoken and unconscious bias have no place in America, and they have no place in our armed forces. And we should all be proud that the vast majority of protests have been peaceful. We must ensure fairness and equity at all key gateway selection boards, including promotion, command, and work hall. Be inclusive. Make a commitment to seek out and surround yourself with those who don't look like you.
0: How woke can you get? hmm? How woke can you get, General? Um, Look, here's the thing. They've worked themselves up into a frenzy that MAGA somehow is a domestic threat. It's not. But that lie has been told so much. Some of them believe it. Some of them know it's a lie. This is what psychological warfare looks like today. What you're seeing right there. Tokyo Rose, that was obvious. Um, but our people aren't good at calling out psychological warfare. How would they even know? I want to show you a picture of the White House press corps from 1983, the White House briefing room. There's President Reagan. But notice anything about the first row, the front row there. These are, well, there's Sam Donaldson, uh, Bob Plant, uh, Helen T- These are people who are seasoned, who are older. Yeah, they may lean a little left, some of them, but they actually remember World War II. What did today's reporters remember? What does she remember? The congressional reporter over there at MSNBC, right? So back then, we had Cronkite, Walter Cronkite. Again, he leaned uh, left, no doubt about it. But, and today, we have Caitlin Collins. The journalists of today are celebrated for their youth and inexperience. She's 31 years old, the it girl of CNN. That's part of the appeal. Um, This plagues America, this lack of experience. You know, we used to actually depend on these people. We can't anymore. Barack Obama and his um, kind of mind meldy friend, Ben Rhodes, talked about this a lot. Ben Rhodes was a senior aide to Barack Obama. They were very, very tight. And I am no fan of either of them. But Ben Rhodes said something rather insightful about the media. Take a look at this. The average reporter we talk to is 27 years old, and their only reporting experience consists of being around political campaigns. That's a sea change. They literally know nothing. They literally know nothing. How about that, huh? And it's true. We don't have any giants anymore. I mean, what happened to John Chancellor? What happened to Jack Anderson? These guys, again, lefties, but... They had some degree of common sense. Dennis Duggan, uh, Murray Kempton, all these guys. A.M. Rosenthal. You could not get uh, lies past these guys. I mean, you just could not you couldn't indict Trump if these guys were still working. Older, experienced. What do we have now? We have vain people sitting at those ridiculous plastic desks. And they think that that somehow they know something because they're sitting at at those stupid tables. I don't get those studios. They make me so, what? You you can see how it would go to their head. Look at me. I am in this uh, very important room. Anyway, when you have that kind of lights, camera, action, you might get full of yourself and you might say stuff like this.
3: I need to say that former President Trump has just started uh, making public remarks, just as he did on the evening of his first arraignment on criminal charges. That was April, when he was booked on 34 felony counts brought by the state of New York. Now tonight, after his arraignment on federal felony charges, he's speaking again, this time to an audience of his supporters that's gathered for a a campaign fundraiser. We are prepared for his pre-fundraiser remarks tonight to again be essentially a Trump campaign speech. Because of that, we do not intend to carry these remarks live. Um, As we have said before, in these circumstances, there is a cost to us as a news organization to knowingly broadcast untrue things. We are here to bring you the news. It hurts our ability to do that if we live broadcast. All right. You see, you
0: see, you see Uh, she's there to bring the news. It literally is news that's happening. What is new? Something that's happening. Brand new. It's new. It's interesting. There he is, the man of the hour. He's just been accused. He's putting his side of the story out. Somehow that's not news, huh? You see how warped it is? She and her friends and all these, I'm sorry, what did we say? Idiots? I mean, maybe that's too harsh. Naive fools. How's that? And they work themselves up. And then this becomes the standard nomenclature about Trump for them. Donald Trump is a
4: criminal and a traitor. We know that.
5: There is a simple explanation. Trump is a, um, a criminal.
6: At the center of this, it's always been Trump. Trump is a criminal. I know you're presumed innocent until proven guilty in this country, allegedly, but let's be real. We all know that Trump is guilty.
0: Wow, huh? Why have a trial? Why bother with anything? I hear he's a criminal, I hear he's an authoritarian, I hear he's a fascist. They love to say that. And if he comes back, he'll govern like an authoritarian. Uh, No actually, this is not how authoritarians sound. This is not how fascists govern. Take a look.
1: And uh, I'll sign the final papers as soon as I get into the Oval Office and we will have a national emergency. And we will then be sued and they will sue us in the Ninth Circuit uh, even though it shouldn't be there. And we will possibly get a bad ruling and then we'll get another bad ruling and then we'll end up in the Supreme Court and hopefully we'll get a fair shake and we'll win in the Supreme Court just like the ban. They sued us in the Ninth Circuit and we lost and then we lost in the appellate division and then we went to the Supreme Court and we won.
0: What an authoritarian, huh? He's just filing lawsuits all over the place. He's playing by the rules, by the law. Anyway, I hope he gets back there. And then the real challenge is going to start. How to take out this swamp, this deep state, because they are desperate to cling to power. And they don't care whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. These guys are in charge. You know, we were talking about Bob Woodward yesterday. Flawed guy, he gets all kinds of credit for publishing classified information and getting it even though he doesn't have a secret clearance. Listen to what he said about who's actually in charge in Washington, even when a Democrat's in charge officially.
3: The meetings. Obama felt disrespected and trapped. And at different times, he felt that the military was maneuvering around him. Did they think they could take a young president? Some
0: of them might. Have, have thought that. So you're the president who's supposed to be the decider, who's supposed to have choice, and you've got these blocks of granite out there saying, oh no, you really don't have a choice. This
4: is the way to do it. And he was not
3: happy. The establishment wanted 40,000 troops, an open ended commitment. He wanted a plan for a U.S. exit. In the end, he gave 30,000, but still the military kept pushing.
0: The deep state think they're in charge. Democrat leaders, democratically elected leaders come and go. They stay. That's a corrupt and dangerous system. So yesterday we saw President Trump in court once again, and um, this is getting dangerous. Look, I can laugh it off. This is kind of a joke, but that they would go to this extreme, if you're just watching this on TV and hoping for the best, we got to Ratchet it up a couple of notches. We got to start writing letters. We got to get active. We got to get on social media. We gotta, we've got to take sides and be counted. Elie Wiesel, the great uh, Holocaust survivor and uh, Jewish philanthropist, he did so much for Jews around the world, and he spoke about peace and he spoke about fighting persecution. The late great Elie Wiesel spoke when he received the Nobel Prize Peace Prize about how you can't remain quiet when the chips are down. The world did know and remained silent.
1: And that is why I swore never to be silent whenever and wherever human beings and you suffering and humiliation. We must speak. We must take sides. For neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented.
0: Sometimes we must interfere. So many Americans already know this, of course, going to those school board meetings, refusing to go along with this nonsense. But I know some people personally who are still on the sidelines waiting to see how everything works out. You can't wait, you've got to exercise that muscle. And maybe it seems small, it's not, it's big.
1: Wherever men or women are persecuted because of their race, religion, or political views, that place must, at that moment,
0: become the center of the universe. We are being persecuted here. All kinds of people for their race. Yes, for their ideas. You can be persecuted even sometimes if you are not a person of color. It's actually happening in America. This gender mess, this nonsense. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Ellie Wiesel, thank you very much. When we come back, uh, Jack Smith, the prosecutor, like you have not seen him before. There he is. Uh, he considers himself something of an Iron Man. We'll be right back. Oh, Democrats and uh, Libs, they were so excited by these images. However, I think it's quite clear by now, take a look at the polls, take a look at the fundraising uh, situation, that it backfired big time. What does that mean? (laughs) To rebound adversely on the originator, have the opposite effect to what was intended. And it was apparent right after he walked out of court, that massive motorcade bringing him around. I mean like he was president all over again, going to that cafe, Versailles, everybody hugging him, praying for him. I mean, it was, it was victory. It looked like victory. And how about arriving and departing your problems in style on your own jet and the whole country watching, and then coming home to Bedminster, New Jersey, being greeted by hundreds of supporters and delivering a speech, watched by a good chunk of the entire country. That is a great day. And yes, the charges are bogus. Fake news, they have convinced themselves otherwise. I think one day they will actually understand. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is in serious trouble. There are allegations, and there may very well be audio tapes of him accepting bribes. Now, this came up at the Senate hearing yesterday, and senior officials at the FBI are all cagey about it. Senator Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri.
2: Will you commit to releasing this unclassified document that alleges that the president of the United States, the president of the United States, has taken $5 million or more in bribes from a foreign nation? The document has already been released pursuant to a subpoena to the House Oversight Committee. Has it been been released to this committee? We will work with this committee within the parameters that are established to meet Will the Will you request. release the document to the public? It's unclassified. Don't you think the American people have a right to see it? Uh, Senator, the document, as you know, contains sensitive information that has bearing on the life of the source of the information, potentially. You can redact the source's name. We do this all the time. In some instances, Senator, and I know you know this, that is not sufficient to protect people. And that's what we strive and work to do each and every day. And I hope you would take that seriously, too. Oh, I take it very seriously. But I also take seriously the fact that your institution has repeatedly abused its authority.
0: Absolutely. They're playing a game. That FBI guy, huh? You should know. I mean, we're being jerked around. We can all see it. Marsha Blackburn, Republican of Tennessee, zeroed in on the uh, the audio tapes.
6: Why did you decide to conceal the information in that revelation to the House Oversight Committee? Why did you redact all of that re- uh, pertaining to the phone calls?
2: We have exceptional people within the FBI. You're the, not the answering I, the, the question, best.
6: why did you redact that information? And they work
2: relentlessly every day to keep this country safe and to, to protect people. You chose not to reveal
6: that the Period. calls were there, and Senator Grassley found it out anyway. Is that accurate?
2: With regard to you the document to
6: reta- you chose to redact it, yes or no?
2: We often redact documents to protect the methods. So sources you chose to redact
6: the the fact that there are seventeen voice recordings, two of those with the now president, you chose to redact that and not to give that to House Oversight.
2: I have is no idea if there are voice recordings or not. What I will tell you with respect to the you document, have no the document was redacted to protect the source, as everyone knows. Well, then and this is a question of life. My and death, time potentially. has
6: expired, but uh, I think it would be helpful if when you came before us, if you were willing to answer the questions.
0: Yeah, the guy's being cagey and weird. We can all see it and protective of the Biden's. FBI? Federal Bureau of Investigation? No. You know what we call it? What I call it around here? Friends of Biden Incorporated. I hope that takes off because that's what it is. Uh, Speaking of Biden, uh, his latest strategy when this issue comes up, (laughs) the allegations of bribe taking by him and Hunter and this Form 1023 that exists is to laugh it off.
2: Are there tapes that you accepted bribes, President Biden? Is that true? Would you comment on the arrest of the former president, sir?
0: Kind of laughs and walks off and that's it. This is what he's been doing lately, um, like the other day.
2: The bribery allegation, Congresswoman Nancy Mace says there's damning evidence that the FBI file that he sold out the country. Do you have a response to the congressional Republicans? Where's the money?
0: <laughs> now, this is a deliberate thing, because he knows these questions are out there now, that reporters are actually, hey, there might be something here, and they're actually following through for right. once. But about two months ago, when this came up for the very first time, in his presidency, different reaction. And we saw him actually retreat.
6: Any reaction to how house you'll be new memo about your family dealings, sir? Family dealings? Yes, your, um... Revealing that, um, Hunter Biden's business associate sent over a million dollars to three of your family members. Any reactions to that report? Not true. Do you have any
3: reaction to the what Russian jet that? That, that took down, down the don't U.S. drone, oh, yeah. Mr. President?
0: Not true. And then backs up like he's retreating, like he's fleeing, like he's running away. Look, I saw that deputy director. His name is Abate, I think. That was protecting. They're protecting Joe Biden. Why? I don't know, he's been around for a long time. I don't know, but maybe there's something a bit more complex. Louis Free, former director of the FBI, he left all the way back in 2001. Uh, for whatever reason, he was writing emails to Hunter Biden while his dad was still vice president saying, hey, uh, we should do business together. Spoke to your dad a few weeks ago. Would like to explore uh, some future work options with him. One big swampy club down there. And why would the former FBI director be making a $100,000 contribution to his girlfriend, Haley? Huh? What was that all about? That's actually in the laptop as well. It is a very swampy place. And meanwhile, we're supposed to be horrified. This stuff is going on, and we're supposed to be horrified by this. They put it in the indictment of Trump. A picture of what? A box with some papers coming out of it. Now, a lot of people thought, this must be classified stuff or something like that. No, actually. Um, You look closely, there's not one classified thing in there. It's just a bunch of newspapers and pictures and stuff. Stuff! Everybody's got stuff. Why did they put this thing in there? Very, very strange. Ooh, he's so careless. Hasn't anybody ever dropped a box? Something really weird is going on. Meanwhile, Peter Strzok, remember uh, Mr. Lisa Page? Uh, He's on MSNBC all the time. Look at what's behind him on that bookshelf. We saw something. See what those things are? Those are secret documents. Those are cover sheets, secret documents. These are the things that we were supposed to be horrified by when they found them in Mar-a-Lago, remember? That guy is railing against President Trump for having secret stuff, and he's pretending or having or whatever, decorating his house with secret stuff. Wow. Uh, I'm glad Donald Trump also mentioned this last night because everybody seems to have forgotten.
1: They were shocked when they found out. They actually thought it was impossible to do. Biden sent 1,850 boxes to the University of Delaware, making the search very, very difficult for anybody. And he refuses to give them up and he refuses to let people even look at them. And then they say how he's behaving so nicely. Many of Biden's classified documents were in Chinatown, D.C. Chinatown, which is shocking considering his family received so much money from China. I wonder how many times the friends of ours from China reviewed those documents. Chinatown, D.C.
0: The University of Delaware thing. His senatorial papers are there. We know secret documents were found in Joe's house back when he was a senator. How many boxes are there? 2,500. 450 gigabytes of electronic information. Any secret stuff? Joe's actually been pressed about this before. Are there any personnel files, like from Tara Reid, the woman who credibly accused him of assaulting her sexually back when she worked for him in the Senate in the early 1990s? Joe gets very fidgety about this one.
6: Why not reveal your tenant documents that are uh, being held in Delaware? I know there's 1,800 plus boxes, um, but if, if, if she believes and she alleges that the complaints may be hidden there, why not strive for complete transparency? Why was the access to those documents sealed up when they were supposed to be revealed?
1: Well, they weren't supposed to be revealed. I gave them the university. The university said it's going to take them time to go through all the boxes. They said it wouldn't be, and that wouldn't be before 2020 that that occurred, or 2021. I can't remember the year they said. But look, a record like this can only be one place. It would be at the. It would not be at the University of Delaware. My archives do not contain personal files. My archives contain document, and I said when I say personal personnel files, they don't contain any personnel files. They are public records my speeches, my papers, my position papers. And mm-hmm. if that document existed, it would be stored in the National Archives where documents from the office she claims to have filed her complaint.
0: All right, blah, 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 He's trying to talk his way out of it, not making any sense. He's got 200 and how many? 2,500 boxes in the University of Delaware. Why doesn't the FBI show up there? I think they've got probable cause. Secret documents at the Penn Biden Center, secret documents in the garage, secret documents in the kitchen in the den. I check those boxes right away. Uh, don't forget this. The biggest lie politicians love to tell that they are somehow going to fight for you and me. Well,
5: I'll do as president what Donald Trump hasn't. I'll fight for you.
2: Well, I will fight for you. I want to fight for you. I know you and I will fight for you. I will fight for you. I will be a senator
0: who
1: will fight for you.
0: It's just a cliche. It's just a line. Sounds good in a speech. What do they do? They do favors for each other. They ask us for our votes. They ask us for money and they keep playing the game. They don't fight for anybody. The only person who did is Donald Trump. And we all saw it. Even as detractors. I got to pin one of them down one of these days. Just say, hey, come on. You know he's a fighter. We saw it every single day. This man knows how to fight and he's been through adversity, real adversity, a state or instance of serious or continued difficulty or misfortune, political misfortune. Yes. And what did he show us? Every step of the way, grit, courage and resolve, strength of character. We don't see these very often in politicians and we saw it in him. And that's what they can't figure out. And regarding grit and fighting, take a look at this.
1: It's no wonder this raging lunatic was shipped off to The Hague to prosecute war criminals using globalist tribunals, not beholden to the Constitution or the rule of law. Two things Jack Smith clearly disdains. You take a look at this guy. He looks like a thug. But then I watched him make a speech the other day, and he was trembling because it wasn't his territory. He feels much safer in the inner sanctums of the Department of Injustice, where he can be in his room and scream at people. He's a raging and uncontrolled Trump hater, as is his wife, who also happened to be the producer of that Michelle Obama puff piece, it was
0: total puff piece. This is the guy I've got. So I heard a lot of people on the left in the media say, how could he say those awful things about somebody who just indicted him? You know, this uh, special counsel is supposed to be independent and he's absolutely right about the conflict of interest. Number one. It is a little bit odd, the purple smock and hanging around the Hague for all those years and all the cases that he lost. That's strange. He was an odd presence when he announced the indictment last Friday. There was something off about him, rather shifty. And overall, he's a mysterious figure. Very little information about him to be found online. We found some pictures of him, though. Uh, Here he is with his wife. And uh, look, I'm sure she's a nice lady, and he may be a nice guy in real life, but You can't be investigating a former president of the United States when your wife worked for the first lady of his political opponent, Michelle Obama. They did a movie together, all right? I talked about this yesterday, Becoming Michelle. Donald Trump just mentioned it. There's another movie she produced. It's uh, called 1971. Interesting, it's about a bunch of radicals who broke into FBI headquarters or an FBI field office and stole stuff And guess what? She portrays them as the good guys.
6: If the FBI was suppressing dissent, it was as important to expose that as it was to end the war.
0: So many things were so wrong. There was no decision to be made. You have to do something. More than a thousand documents
5: were stolen from the FBI office in Media, Pennsylvania. They called themselves the Citizens
2: Commission to investigate the
6: FBI. These documents reveal illegal activity by the FBI,
2: surveillance of people engaged in protected First Amendment activity.
5: The fortress was under siege. 150 agents were looking for us. My worry was it. What would happen to those three kids? This was
1: quite a substantial risk they took. They risk everything.
0: They saw injustice and decided that they were going to act on it. Might be a well-done film. Definitely a bias there. Liberals can break the law when they see injustice, and somehow it's beautiful. Somehow it's wonderful. These people are now in control of the swamp. And they're using those institutions against their political opponents. I firmly believe you can see it. You can see it from space. We'll be right back with why is John Dean, the Watergate traitor, considered a hero over on CNN? Be right back.
5: Hey, it's Tony Marino. You know the old saying, good things come in small packages. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier is about the size of your hand, but powerful enough to kill viruses, mold, and odors quickly. I now have a couple of these in my home, and it is amazing how we can actually smell cleaner, fresher, healthier air in our home. My wife, who suffers from allergies, is especially happy with it. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier, you Uses proven oxy technology to purify the air. I don't know all the technology, I just know it works. And because it's not a filter, you don't have to keep on buying filters. It has no filter. You just plug it in. And right now you can save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for whole home protection. Simply go to EdenPureDeals.com and put in discount code GREG to save $200. That's Eden, E-D-E-N, puredeals.com, discount code GREG, and shipping is free. All right, so Gay Pride Month is
0: in uh, full swing. We're halfway into it, and people agree that it's over the top again. Too much. Um, And by people, I mean people from all walks of life and all orientations and genders. People think it's gone a little bit overboard. Uh, We noticed this on social media and thought it was pretty
3: cool. This is Clarkson Lawson, political commentator. Take a look. This is why public acceptance of gay people is declining. Nobody in their right mind wants to be completely inundated with pride flags for the month of June, whether you are gay or straight. We are all sick of it. I don't need to see a pride flag to feel welcome in my country or to not feel oppressed. Do you know what this says to me? Not that we're a marginalized community. In fact, it says the opposite, that we are a community that incessantly needs validation in order to feel welcome in society. Clarkson Lawson joins us right now. Uh, Hey, congratulations.
0: Very provocative, thoughtful and interesting. Uh, Welcome to Newsmax.
3: Thank you, Greg. Happy to be here.
0: Uh, In the first part of that, though, you said um, that there may not be there. Possible reaction to this is a lack of acceptance. You really do you see a lack of acceptance in America today for gay people?
3: Well, yeah, for the first time in years, we're seeing a decline in acceptance of same-sex marriage. And one can only look at what's happening in the country and think, Well, maybe that's because we're shoving it down everybody's throats. And it's unfortunate because when there's a problem in society and it's solved, there comes a point when you put down your sword and start acclimating yourself into into society. But gay men and women haven't been able to do that because we've had corporations and Democrat politicians force feeding this victim narrative down our throats every month. And we aren't really able to enjoy the freedoms that we fought for previously because we're consistently sold this, this victim narrative. How about this? The LGBTQ
0: community. I keep hearing about a community as if everybody who's LGBTQ who falls in that spectrum would agree on, you know, one political issue or this political issue or that political issue. It doesn't work that way among straight people and straight people don't call themselves a community. Isn't it a little bit, uh, I don't know, demeaning or confining or uh,
3: what would you make of it? Well, you know, I'm Gen Z. You know, I grew up not facing much discrimination for being gay. So to me, being in a community based off of my sexuality is just ludicrous. You know, being gay in 2023, in America at least, is the same thing as being a person with blue eyes that's an American. It's just a part of you. I choose to surround myself with people that share my values, not share my, what I do in the bedroom. So I've never really understood this whole idea that we need to be a community now. The whole goal of the movement was to become, you know, a part of the American. American community and not have to separate ourselves from society but it seems like it's now become a movement of ex or in exclusivity instead of inclusivity.
0: Interesting. And you know what I will tell you this uh sometimes it feels like Look, gay people were oppressed and they couldn't be themselves in the 50s and before that and maybe even more recently. And that was bad. And we're glad that they're not being persecuted and arrested. and Those things are bad. But I kind of feel like those who are oppressed are becoming the oppressors. You know what I mean? They're, and that has happened in history before, hasn't it?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, the pendulum swings back and forth. You see nowadays you can't even go on social media and criticize own movement, even if you are gay. I get videos of mine taken down every single day when I point out one problem within our so-called community. So to me, when I look at that within society, it looks like privilege and true equality. Like I said in the video, doesn't come with privilege. This isn't what we were fighting for. We weren't fighting for special privileges over straight people. I just wanted to be able to marry who I love and live my life freely. That's that's it. All right. You get
0: no argument from conservatives on that. I think there's a lot we can agree on. And this has gotten a little bit crazy. Clarkson Lawson, we appreciate it. Many thanks. And we'll be right back.
6: Conflict.
1: real threats real heart now there's a place america gets its news no agenda just the facts newsmax real news for real people
0: we have attorneys now calling for the people who have been pushing this past the point of acceptable argument to be disbarred at some
5: point Some of these lawyers have to be challenged. Some of these lawyers need to be disbarred.
6: There needs to be much stronger pushback, including possible disbarment for some of the lawyers bringing these cases that are full of blatant untruths.
5: These lawyers, as Mary suggested, should be disbarred. They're violating the the, uh, codes of conduct of the American Bar Association.
0: I can't stand these people. Look, I know President Trump is going to make it through all this, but sometimes I worry about his lawyers because, yeah, they're coming for these guys. Um, It's very difficult to represent... uh president trump they make it that way all right the legal community uh, somebody who did an amazing job representing president trump david Schoen, in the second impeachment there he is on the floor of the united states senate defending the president from that ridiculous uh, impeachment situation related to january 6th impeaching him after he left office it was all absurd david Schoen. uh Criminal defense attorney, civil rights lawyer, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you and how tough is it being
4: a lawyer for President Trump? I'm fine. Thank you. And I hope you are, too. Uh, I think it's a great honor to be a lawyer for President Trump, to be quite frank. Uh, These guys are sick talking about disbarring lawyers for making legal arguments they don't agree with and don't want to see prevail. I don't know which lawyers they're talking about. Of course, no lawyer should make a frivolous argument, an argument that's contrary to law, But lawyers often make cutting edge arguments and uh, the ethics rules certainly permit arguments that would suggest the law should change or the law might uh, might progress in a certain direction. But I don't know really what arguments they are talking about, which lawyers they're talking about. There are some, you know, disbarment proceedings going on around the country now with certain lawyers. Um, I think each one has to be looked at on its facts. But I think this kind of talk really chills uh, advocacy It chills zealous advocacy that we're all bound to perform for our clients. And I think there's no place for it.
0: Yeah, sure. And I would imagine it would be an honor and people would want to represent the president. But it seems like they've made it so difficult for the lawyers. You know, law firms start to freak out. Oh, my gosh, what will that mean? Will our other clients make a big deal out of this? And what did you make of how they turned a lawyer against Trump. I think we have attorney number one in that indictment repeating all of these things that Donald Trump allegedly said to him. It's in the indictment. This is a lawyer repeating what he said Donald Trump told him. I thought that was attorney-client privilege. I cannot believe that this is in the indictment. Can you tell us a little bit about this and, and your thoughts that how this could happen?
4: Sure. Attorney number one is Evan Corcoran. He's a fine guy, as honest as the day is long, quite frankly former prosecutor, um, stand-up guy, and so on. Um, I think that what happened here is Judge Howell, who was then the chief judge uh, of the United States District Court in the District of Columbia, a true Trump hater, has written and said extraneous things about Trump that really went beyond any case in front of her. Um, on the At the end of her reign as chief judge, she entered this order, apparently. We haven't seen the full order yet. Hopefully it'll be unsealed. But... Uh, finding that all of Evan Corcoran's notes to himself, his own mental impressions from his discussions with Trump, uh, President Trump and uh, and the other notes that you mentioned uh, had to be turned over almost in wholesale uh, fashion to the government. Usually in a case like this, um, you know, he was subpoenaed and the judge looked at the notes. Usually in a case like this, they might give the lawyer a chance to propose redactions to the notes, that sort of thing. She found that a crime fraud exception applied, that the discussion must have been about something that could be construed as a crime by President Trump, and therefore the note should be turned over. I think it's going to be a major issue in the case in Florida. I think they should file a motion to dismiss the indictment based on this, among other things, because it's clearly tainted the grand jury process. If that doesn't succeed, I think they should file a motion to exclude it at trial. But I'll say this, if they don't get it excluded, I think it's going to come back to haunt them, because I think Evan Corcoran will testify truthfully in a a manner that helps President Trump and really puts these notes into context and changes what they're construing as his mental impressions.
0: David Schoen, again, a remarkable job on the floor of the United States Senate. You'll always have that. And uh, I think you're going to be needed in the future. Hope you're available. David Schoen, we appreciate it. And we'll be right back. Thank you.
5: think that if Fox and Newsmax and others in the right wing ecosystem where alternate facts are shared, such as the election was stolen, et cetera, et cetera, do you think if that had existed during Watergate that Richard Nixon would have felt compelled to resign?
1: There's no doubt that Watergate would have played out differently.
0: So that's John Dean. He was White House counsel during Watergate with Nixon, a bit of a traitor, uh, a criminal himself. Uh, John Dean is now Professor Emeritus over there at CNN. They think he's great. No, he wasn't great. He's famous for the cancer on the presidency talk with Nixon. Everybody talks about that. I want you to listen to this, what happened uh, just after the cancer on the presidency comment. Go. So John Dean thought that Gordon Liddy was a great guy because he broke into Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist's office. Uh, I know Gordon Liddy. I knew Gordon Liddy. He died. He's a little bit cuckoo in the early 1970s. I got to like him later. But he broke into an office. That makes him a criminal. And then John Dean thought he was a good guy because of that. Tells you something about John Dean. Also, tells you something about CNN. They have no idea who they're dealing with, yet they put this guy on all the shows like he's this wise old Washington hand. He's not. He's a criminal. And anybody who knows anything about Watergate knows that, except for those guys. As we said earlier, according to Ben Rhodes, they literally know nothing, these people. All right, we'll be right back. It's true. I am an America-first, liberty-loving Latino. That's why I know this country is worth fighting for. That's why The Chris Salcedo Show will always tell you the truth. The Chris Salcedo Show, for the news you need to know. Thank you for watching. Happy birthday, President Trump. And we'll be back tomorrow night.